Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. All right, welcome to another episode of Cats by 90, a podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, a.k.a. Big Blue Drew, here with you. Um, Aaron Gershon will not be joining us today. He has got the flu, like I feel like most of the state of Kentucky is battling an illness. But we have one of my favorite um, people in Kentucky media and a good friend of mine, Bradley, I got that B-roll McKee. Bradley, thank you for jumping on with me, man. Hey, man, I like the introduction you gave me there. Very nice. Thank you. It's always good to be on with you, Drew. We go way back in our spalding days. So, uh, you know, anytime I can help you out, you know I'm, I got you, man. Appreciate that. And, yeah, we'll kind of set the stage for the listeners because we're up uh, a little bit more big time than we used to be on the other podcasts I've done with you with uh, the SB Nation sponsorship. So, hopefully, i like to thank that we have a few more listeners, but yeah. So Bradley and I do go way back. He was kind of my uh, old school mentor at Spalding. So I didn't play much ball there, but I did play basketball at Spalding University here in Louisville. Um, Bradley was a much better player than me there and uh, was a few years ahead of me. But um, I was actually, we talk about this a lot, but I was the last ever, I guess, 2005, six, I guess, the last ever Spalding Pelican because yeah. they are the Eagles now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of upset about that. You know, I always like the Pelicans because, you know, we always used to have this thing where we say, you know, a Pelican flock together, you know, and, um, yes. you know, that's how we were as a team. We, we stuck together no matter what. You know, uh, we knew we were a small school. We were trying to, like, make a name for ourselves. And so – uh, you know, our coach, Coach Gray, he was a very stern guy and always wanted us to stick together. And we did. And like you said, after they turned into, I think they maybe went to the Golden Eagles at one point. Now they might just be the Eagles or something. I, I don't really, I'm not down with it. They still got the same colors, but I still like the Pelicans. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they are the Golden Eagles. Yeah. And it's kind of funny to me that they just switch names. And, and one thing, we'll, we'll get on some Kentucky sports here, but first we're going to talk a little local spotting sports. Um, I never understood. I believe they're still in the conference where it's only teams from Missouri <laughs> because the other difference for Bradley and I was we were there when it was NAI, which I always say NAI has got the hoopers. They're able to give athletic scholarship money. Um, so I always thought they were, you know, they got looked down on sometimes, but NAI is where it's at. But I never understood now how they're in this conference with like only teams from Missouri. It's bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre. Like you said, when when I was playing, you when you were playing, it was like I said, it was NAI Division One, And like you said, you would get those guys that would maybe get in trouble at the D1 level or didn't have the grades or maybe a JUCO transfer that would come in immediately play. And, you know, because if you go from Division One down to the NAI, you can immediately play. You don't have to sit out. So a lot of guys would come down, take advantage of that, get their stats up, and try to go back either to another big-time school or try to get themselves in the league. So, yes, it was a definitely difficult league. It was tough. It was a lot of good competition. Um, and like you said, yeah, we always – we when I was there, it was an independent conference. So we had teams like Howie Stew or Howie Stowe, and it was like Park out of Kansas City. So, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of Missouri-type teams, which is a heck of a bus ride or a van ride because we didn't have the budget to fly. So – uh, it was a long ride when you talk about having a seven o'clock game and then trying to turn around, get back at 
two or three o'clock in the morning and try to go to class. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely weird, but I, I still I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, I had a good experience there, too. And, and my niche kind of was um, last thing on this and we'll move on. But I, I signed with like I swear there was like nine of us, maybe nine of us. I remember us standing on the stairs, us spotting, signing our letters of intent type thing. And uh, his niche for me, Coach Gray, was just getting everybody from Louisville like, hey, don't you want to stay home? Obviously, I wasn't good enough to play at the University of Louisville or, or even really Bellarmine. So um, that was his niche with me. I was a mama's boy. So, you know, the idea I had a girlfriend in town. So, you know, the idea of staying home was very appealing. So, yeah. uh, yeah, man, we might have to go catch a spotting game or yeah. something because I, I don't think I've been to that gym <laughs> years, 10 years or more, probably more than that. Yeah, I, I get there once a year. We play alumni games, so I get there at least once a year. But, yes, we definitely had to uh, catch up and go to a game. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, well, I teed you up a little bit, Bradley. So we always start the uh, Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation with the In My Feelings segment. So I'll go first. Um, I start with my negative one, and man, it's weighing on my heart heavy. Everyone that listens knows I talk about my family a lot, and I have a preteen daughter. It is very difficult. I think every day it gets harder. So we had another social media snafu um, on social media apps we're not supposed to be on. We made commitments. We weren't going to do them, and uh, found that on her phone. So nothing really inappropriate, just kind of hiding it. So that's weighing heavy on me. I always got, you know, some, some yeah. stress with the kids, especially when it's a girl. Yes, I totally understand. Like I said, I have twin boys, but I don't have that social media thing yet because I don't have phones for my sons. They're 11, so I told them maybe next year when they turn 12, they can have a phone. So that's one of those things that I'm sure I'm probably going to end up being in your situation in about a year. But I'm trying to, like, you know, warm my kids up and let them know, look, so no social media right now, no Snapchats, no Instagram, no Facebook, you know, trying to keep them off there. but. Um, you know, but if you want me to go ahead, I go ahead and tell you about in my feelings, what I'm thinking is, um, uh, is this rain. I am so tired of rain. <laughs> I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, here in the last, what, three to four football games Kentucky had at home, we have been getting soaked yes. and I am tired of it. It is December. Why are we still having rain? Should we like have cold weather? Should we have snow? Something like that. Why is it raining? Like it's <laughs> almost like April. It just, it kills me. Yeah, we got to touch on the weather at the game because we hung out a little bit for Kentucky Louisville. So I'm going to touch on that, but um, I'll hit my feel good real quick. Uh, mine's easy. I'm very excited. I know that um, everyone, you know, listens to knows I love doing photography. Um, I'm trying to really learn it. So finally, after 18 months of research and asking questions to people like Bradley and, you know, other Kentucky media members on, on my travels, um, I researched my camera and I got it. So I'm really excited. I got um, some stuff. I'm going to be shooting the Louisville Kentucky basketball game, hopefully the football bowl game. So I'm really excited and, and just feel blessed to get that opportunity. So that's my that's my feel good. And that's a really good though. I understand the grind, man. All this equipment out here and you getting this stuff is very expensive and you have to have the money for it. And you got to, you know, make sure you protect it, obviously, with the rain and all the atmosphere you're in and elements. You definitely got to uh, take care of that. So I understand your pain. It's always exciting to have some new equipment. But my feel good, I guess, is, man, just having my family. You know what I mean? Like, uh, every day I get to wake up, see my sons, my wife, and, you know, I'm blessed to breathe and be able to, like. New wife, brand new, new wife, wife. Bradley yeah. got married in what? I was October, October yeah, right? October, man, you know. And uh, we're very excited. We're happy, man. We're the newlyweds. And uh, I'm just happy just to be able to spend time with my family and be able to be with them every day and see them smile and grow. And, you know, for us as a family, be close, you know, to each other. So. Good, good. Excellent stuff, man. And um, I wanted to ask you too, Bradley, why don't you just let everybody know just kind of um, because you've had, you know, your hand in different things over the years 
Um, so like, what are you up to now? Where can people follow you? And kind of um, just like, what's your what's your deal? Yeah. So, you know, right now, I'm, you know, basically I'm an entrepreneur. I'm working for myself. I just started my own production company. It's called B-Roll Productions. Um, you know, prior to that, I'm going to take some steps back. I was working at KSTV. We had a 30 minute show that basically, you know, covered all Kentucky football, basketball, volleyball, all sports. And then I moved on. Uh, about a year ago and worked with UK and I was doing player interviews and I was doing social media stuff for them, working in the marketing department, just basically covering the cast like I normally did. And then I decided to go on my own and start my own production company and kind of do, I'm freelancing for uh, KSR right now. I'm doing some video work content or video content or video work for them where I'm basically just, you know, shooting the games, doing recap videos and player interviews and stuff like that. So uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Bradley underscore B underscore row. And then uh, on tw- on Instagram, it's I got that B row is my Twitter name. And I also have another one, B row productions, KY. And so, you know, I'm just trying to grow my little small little company, just like anybody else trying to grow their brand. So uh, it's going well so far. And I'm excited and I'm glad to be able to still be able to cover the Wildcats and do my thing. Good stuff, good stuff. And I mean this truthfully. I'm not, I've told you this. I'm not just saying this because you're my boy and you're on my podcast, but, um, I lived in Florida for a long time and that kind of like invigorated my Kentucky Wildcats fandom even more. And every game I would watch, I would see you on the court with your camera and covering the games. And it was just like, it really did motivate me and inspire me. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I remember like I would text our buddy William Ford and I say, Hey, if you want him to Bradley, just kind of ask him, throw my name out there, see how he got involved in that. So. Again, that goes back to my feel good. I feel um, blessed to do that. And I know I've been following you for quite a while, but um, I do have a question for you, Bradley, as far as your stuff, because everybody knows in the media and, and really, I guess, fans too, that, you know, KSR is kind of that top dog. So can we consider Bradley McKee a KSR guy? Or are you just kind of, like you said, doing your freelance thing with them? Because that, that does have a designation, you know, within Kentucky sports. Yeah, you know, like I said, all right, so you're basically asking if, if it, I'm by myself or is a KSR guy? What you, I, I'm sorry, your phone had broken up a little bit, so I couldn't hear you. My bad, Drew. Well, it's all good. Well, just in general, like I said, it's kind of hard to frame the question, I guess. But like you said, you know in the media, like, there's KSR guys, mm-hmm. and there's, you know what I mean? So, like, would you consider yourself kind of in their in their group, or is it more like a, a freelance thing? Because I know that KSR name, you know, packs a big punch yeah. within um, all sports. They're just a conglomerate. Yeah, I would kind of say I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's kind of tough. Like, I mean, I'm I'm freelancing for them, so I I guess I'm am a part of their team, but I wouldn't say that I'm their guy. You know what I mean? Like, I I'm I have my own name, you know, I have my own brand, and so I'm trying to you know build for myself, but at the same time. They're helping me build my platform through through KSR. You know, like they have such a huge following. It's a blessing to be able to mm-hmm. freelance with them and be able to put my stuff out there on a platform that I know that tons and tons of UK fans can see. And so hopefully they enjoy my work and they appreciate it and be like, you know what, this guy's doing some good stuff. And hopefully KSR will keep me on, you know, because it's been a really good relationship with them. I've been knowing Matt for a long time and Drew and Tyler Thompson and, the whole KSR group have been really well, been really you know good to me. Nick Roush, all those guys are really good, and they know how to do, they know how to do their job, and that's why you know the brand has grown so well because they have good people that work there. So uh, I would say uh, it's a win win situation for both of us. You know, I'm helping them out, and they're helping me out. 
Hundred percent, man. Good stuff. And yeah, I know that I've seen over over time. You know, Matt give you shout outs and have nice things to say, and Drew and all that. So good stuff, man. Keep doing your thing. But we can jump in now. So I did want to talk a little bit about the football game. So I'm gonna just be real with everybody and keep it completely one hundred. I was not prepared for the rain on Saturday. I thought I was prepared, man. I I had one of those raincoats in my closet that I've looked at for years, and I'm like, man, this this is the time to bust this out. It's gonna be perfect. And I'd be damned if that thing was not a raincoat. <laughs> yeah, no, man. That, and then you had the whole suit, Bradley. You had the whole suit. So you yeah. you mentioned that your wife had got you the rain suit. Yeah. So Bradley, was he was ready to go, man. You was out there geared up. <laughs> yeah, man. My wife, uh, God bless her, because she went out and found me this gear from Dick's Sporty Good. I think it's like, it's called Compass 360. I'm probably promoting them pretty well now. And it's like almost hunting rain gear. And that's, I'm telling you, when the water hits it, it just slides right off. And I, like I said, I was not even wet, not once. As much as it rained, it came in sideways, it came hard, it came misty, all that. I, I stayed pretty dry with that. And so I was a fortunate. So yeah, you get the rain gear I had is top notch. I got a Dick Sporting Good. It was literally probably like 38 bucks, something like that. And, uh, that weather was nasty, but thank God I had that rain gear and thank God my wife got that for me. <laughs> Yeah, you were geared up, man. I didn't even, I, I'd be keep, I said, I'm going to keep it totally real. I didn't even make it out there till halftime. We already talked about my new camera. I wasn't there about to bring that sucker out because it wasn't just like, it didn't translate on TV because I actually made it home before the game was over, which wasn't bad either. Um, you know, I spent some time with the family. I'm always gone. And it, the rain just don't translate on TV, man. It looked like it's sprinkling. It was pouring down rain the whole game. Um, and I hated to miss that content at the end of the game because I missed it last year, but. Obviously, the news of the day, man, was just kind of what everyone expected, but not to the degree that it happened. But UK just ran all over those fools. Um, so I feel like you probably kind of knew that was going to happen, Bradley. But um, did you think it was going to be to that tune, you know, rushing for over 500 yards again? No, I did not see that coming. I thought that, you know, they were definitely going to run the ball because of, of the conditions of the weather. And I knew that Coach Duke was going to do a good job of controlling the game and controlling the clock. You know, we knew that Louisville wanted to come in and kind of run and gun and throw the ball all over and try to make it a speed-up game to their advantage. But once I knew that Kentucky had the ball, they had control, they were going to run Lynn Bowden, they were going to run Smoke, they were going to run all the running backs, A.J. Rose, and just kind of rotate them, Chris Rodriguez, and slow the game down and run the clock down and take the lead. And I did not see the beat down to 45-13. to 13. But I thought it would be like a little close. I thought it'd be like thirty to like seventeen. You know, I thought it would be close for a while, then mm-hmm. eventually Kentucky would, you know, take the lead. But this was a beatdown. Uh pretty much they probably wouldn't even scored if honestly, if in the first half, if uh Coach Stoops didn't go for the fourth. Yeah, he game. dropped that dime. He they dropped that dime. Louisville did. We were standing next to each other. I was mm-hmm. shocked. I was kind of, you know, swallowed a little deep gulp there in that first drive that Louisville had because Man, he really laid that ball in nice for that touchdown. But I was with you, man. I think my score prediction on the ESPN pregame show was 28-17. to I just thought the rivalry aspect would play a little bit more of a role in it and that, you know, Louisville would step up in the way that, like, hey, we're not going to get, you know, ran over like this and be a little hype. But, man, I'd be damned. That did not happen. Um, What was your thoughts, Bradley? So the big thing right now is after the game, pregame, before the game, is the L's down situation. So Louisville took it a little sensitive. What's your thoughts on that? Do they have a legitimate beef kind of being like, hey, that's, that's disrespectful all the time, or are they just being babies? Well, you know, it's it's a rival, right? I mean, we see uh, Oklahoma do the horns down to Texas. You know, you see uh, – we saw uh, the Mississippi State game and Ole Miss, the player 
did the dog with the pee thing. So you see it. It's a rival. It happens. And, and it's been going on for a long time. It's not the first time that Louisville's actually seen the L's down. They did it last year. They did the year before that. Ever since, ever since I've been covering Kentucky and they've been doing the rival game, it's always been L's down. And I, I think the only way to prevent from the your opponent, whoever you're playing, to quit doing the L's down is you win the game. You win like Kentucky won against Louisville, and then there won't be any L's down. You won't see that. And that's the only way you prevent that. I mean, I understand them getting upset about it. I mean, I'm sure if it was Kentucky and they had something where they threw up a symbol and the other team threw it down at them, they would be mad too. But it's just one of those things. It's a rival game. So the only way to shut that up and really pretty much uh, nip it in the butt is just win the game, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and I mean, fans is one thing, and fans are going to gripe. We know that this rivalry, I was born and raised in Louisville, and I talk about it all the time. I don't buy into it. I hate Indiana. I'm like, you know, I wish I was at the Michigan-Louisville game last night. But it's one thing to me if fans are going to be the ones like, oh, you know, forget UK fans, that's weak, or the players are weak for doing that. But I did think it was pretty petty when, you know, the the infamous shot of Coach Satterfield at, at midfield um, doing the L's down and complaining about them doing that. It's like, come on, man. And it was especially hilarious, you know, once he did that and it became known that the Louisville staff was actually upset when they were able to archive videos from this season of Louisville football players doing very similar things in their games with opponents. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, Coach Satterfield, I would just say, hey, welcome to the rival. You know, this is not App State anymore. Um, So you're you're playing big boy football, and it's one of those things that, like, now you see how deep it is. You see how rough it is. And he's he's learning, and he's that was his first test. He don't like for them to throw the L's down. You basically got to go out there and win the game. You know, get your team ready to be able to beat Kentucky and win that game. And you you can shut all that up. You can you can you can nip that in the butt by winning. Winning will make a lot of things look a lot better. When you're losing, you get beat like that. You know, uh, it, it it sucks. And I think for them, I'm sure they're going to be using that for motivation for next year. So um, hopefully he can get it together, man, and it, it can be another another rival game. You know, the good rival game. <laughs> I think that it will. Um, Coach Satterfield has proven to do some some pretty dang good things considering what he inherited. But I did notice this week, um, I knew they were having a good season, but App State's like 11-1. and one. So, I mean, that obviously calls attention to the fact that he has some pretty good players on his team last year, even though, like I said, I do think he's a good coach. Um, but it's funny to me, too. I'm like, look, if Louisville fans and players want to do, like, the three goggles down or the bow and arrows down or – Whatever else, you know, that we've branded over the years, like, I think go for it. You know, it's just something fun and silly. I don't like when it gets truthfully hateful. Like, I meet people here that like, oh, you know, they have legitimate friends that they won't be around during games or certain times of the year. And I'm just like, come on, man, that's that's a little bit crazy. Um, But, you know, the rivalry runs deep. But one thing you could say about Saturday was just like many other teams this season, Louisville just had no answer whatsoever to one of the most dynamic players in the country and Lynn Bowden. So wh- what do you think just about his performance, Bradley? And when we haven't had a chance to talk to you throughout the year, me and Aaron for months now have kind of debated on, was he the right fit? You know, they've went through their offensive lows throughout the year. And then, you know, it was kind of just determined of, you know, probably two or three games ago to look, Lynn's the guy we're running this. And now it's just really taking off with Kentucky, just, you know, rushing for 500 yards all the time. So, um, what were your initial thoughts when Lynn took over and just like, what do you have to say just about the monumental performances that he's put on? 
You know, I mean, for him, I always thought that when they first got him, that you know, obviously he was an explosive player, you know, and they need to find a way. They need to find ways to get him the ball. I think that that was the big trouble when he first came. I think he was frustrated. You know, he went back in the locker room and tweeted about you know why he wasn't playing and all this stuff, why he wouldn't get the ball, and the worst, best thing that ever happened that was Terry Wilson went down. I mean, I hated to see Terry go down, but it forced Coach Stoops and the staff to be like, hey. Let's put the ball in our best playmaker's hand. And they did. And then you see what he did. I mean, what he did at Kentucky has been amazing. For him to be a wide receiver, you know, and never really – he played quarterback in high school but didn't play at the college level. You know what I mean? Like, this is very hard. You're playing against SEC defenses, and they're tough, that, that coaches are really good at who know how to scheme against you, to who know how to shut you down. For him to basically just toy around with some of these defenses has been amazing, you know. I thought last year was was great when you had Josh Allen and you had Benny Snell and you had you know you had that group. It's I, I give a lot of credit to Coach Stoops to be able to get a guy like Lynn Bowden who can play pretty much any spot you put him. He's a playmaker, and it's been a joy to sit back and watch him just basically have a lot of fun. He's having fun. I mean, you can tell that his whole mentality totally different. You know, he brings his son to the to the post game interview on the field, and you know he's going around and. And, and shaking all the players, I mean, shaking the fans' hands after the game. You know, you can tell that he's really enjoying playing the game of football, and that's what you need. You need guys like that who embrace every moment of playing the game. He don't care necessarily about stats. I, I know we do as, as media members. We're looking at stats. But you can tell the dude just loves to play football. And so sit back and watch him to do what he's done at Kentucky and, you know, play the quarterback position as a receiver and, and – and like I said, rush for so many yards, and people can't get a direct hit on him because he's so shifty. Uh, it's been amazing to sit back and watch. Yeah, 100% I agree with you on the fact that, you know, we haven't ever talked about this, but I bet you there's several players on Kentucky's offensive side of the ball that play quarterback in high school because the best player that plays quarterback in high school, well, you know, when you get on an SEC field, especially with zero experience doing it, what he's been able to accomplish is just mind-boggling and, I 100% again would agree with the fact that the team, I think, takes on that personality that he has of just kind of that carefree, but at the same time playing with a chip on your shoulder. And I think, um, you know, people have asked me throughout the year, like, what do I think, you know, being down on the field and closer to the team, like their mentality was, especially after tough losses or when they didn't play well. And I always said the same thing. I'm like, I never really noticed this team getting too down on themselves, even too high on themselves. And I think that's really reflective of Lynn Bowden because he just comes out and plays football every game. And it's been a joy, man. I'm super lucky. The two seasons I've covered Kentucky football were, you know, one of the best seasons in program history. And then now um, with Lynn Bowden and just this his electric playmaking ability that's going to be talked about for years and years to come. And, you know, that Tennessee loss was so close. Florida loss was right there. I mean, this team was just a stone's throw away as well from, you know, potentially winning like 10 games. So exciting time for Kentucky football. And, and, you know, now we have, I guess, which is the bowl projections. And I'm being extremely selfish about this, Bradley. We talked on Saturday, but uh, I just want to go to the bowl. So I'm kind of looking on which one I can go to, what's close, what day do I have off of work. Um, but a lot's still left to be ironed out. I've never really looked as much at bowl projections, I feel like, as I have this year. Um, I'd love for it to either be the bulk bill or the bulk bowl, excuse me, um, possibly the Music City Bowl, which is looking less likely. Um, I could even do the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. But I know that's not what I should be thinking because I think most Kentucky fans 
I want the Cats to get down in sunny Florida um, for the Gator Bowl, which is kind of, you know, a more premier bowl. But have you thought much about the bowl projections? Do you have any opponent you like to play, anything like that? You know what? Uh, I really haven't. I mean, it's, you know, honestly, I've been embracing every game and just enjoying the ride because, like, you know, there for a while I was kind of questioning if they went, if they were even going to make a bowl game, you know, like I was kind of like thinking, mm-hmm. man, this team may not make it, especially when they lost a couple there in a row. And, you know, you had a quarterback issues and you're trying to figure out, you know, where the points are going to be coming from, who's going to be the playmaker, you know. And so, um, you know, I had really hadn't looked into it. But like you said, I think it doesn't matter where they go. One thing for sure, the fans will follow. You know, they will be there. Big Blue Nation will definitely be there. Especially if it's in, you know, if it's close, it's drivable. It really don't matter if it's on the moon; they'll be there. But if if it's definitely like, like you said, I know you said Nashville, it's probably, probably out the door. But Memphis Liberty Bowl, if it's you know the Gator Bowl in Florida, like you said, because I know a lot of you fans are down there. Uh, it doesn't matter; they'll be there regardless. And like you said, I've been to a couple of bowl games uh, for UK, and they're fun. You know, you you get some good fans there. Um, usually the players are playing well, you know, they're, they're hyped up, they're juiced up to see the fans and it's very laid back, even though they, they're going to take care of business, but that whole week is like, it's exciting. You, know, you get gifts and you get to hang out with some of your family, you hang out with the team, you know, it's just really cool. So, uh, and then hopefully, like I said, playing on New Year's, you know, that's, uh, or New Year's Eve, you know, playing on a, you know, a big stage like that where you get some national attention. So, uh, I haven't really thought about where they're going to go, but I'm excited to see where they are going to go for a bowl game. Agreed. I'd love to see him play Indiana, too. I already hinted at that like I do all the time. I hate the Hoosiers. They're irrelevant, everything. So I think that would be cool to see those two fan bases get together. But, again, it's just strange to me, just like – I guess it's like anything else in basketball. But still a lot left to be ironed out. we got to see what happens in these conference championship games. And then by Sunday we will know where Kentucky is bowling. But we got Bradley McKee on the podcast today, Cats by 90. Appreciate him coming on. Um, really quick before we jump into some basketball, I know um, got to get everybody out of here, but um, let's take a quick sponsor break, and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back on the Cats by 90 podcast. We have Bradley, I got that B-roll McKee joining us. Um, he does all of his freelance work. You've probably seen him if you follow Kentucky Sports at all. He does a lot of different stuff, um, but basketball now, man. So uh, we haven't had a chance really to talk much about basketball. It's always busy and the games go by so much faster there. But just kind of what's your opinion so far? It's been, I won't even call it a, I guess you could say it's an up and down season. But, um, you know, I, I've been in the in the camp the whole time of that Evansville game happens every single year for the most part. The only difference was Kentucky usually squeaks out a two-point win, a three-point win, you know, a close game. And this year they didn't. So how much stock are you putting in that loss? And just what's your opinion of, of this team so far, you know, through the first eight of games or so? You know what? I mean, it's – they're probably where they should be. Uh, you know, I, I figured that, you know, they're young. It's a young team. You know, you got some veteran guys come back like Nick Richards, and, you know, Ashton Higgins and Emmanuel Quickly. But you still got a lot of other pieces there that needs to be developed and needs some experience. And so – I knew they probably were going to probably take a lump to somebody. I didn't think it would be Evansville. But, um, you know, sometimes those type of games kind of refocus you as a team and as a staff. I think even Coach Cal um, is now coaching different because they lost uh, the way they lost at home because normally, you know, they don't lose at home. And so um, for them to 
be able to bounce back and kind of like now start to play some better ball, it, you you expected that, you know, even with Nate Sestina going down and now having his injury, I think it's it's good for guys like Keon Brooks and Khalil Whitney because now they're going to get more minutes. That's what they need. They need reps. These guys need to go out there and play, play through the mistakes, understand how to play in certain situations, and understand, you know, here's what they need from me, whether it's rebounding, whether it's me hitting the little 15-foot jumper, or it's me defending, whatever it is, hustle plays. That's what they need. So, um I'm not really disappointed in the season. I'm, I'm, I'm actually eager. I'm there, you can see there's a lot of growth for this team. And so it's early on. I really don't judge anything early on right now because I know a lot of teams are trying to figure out who they are and how they need to develop to get better. So um, it's been an okay season. I know the Evansville loss is, was a huge loss, but we saw that Duke went down to Stephen F. Foster, you know, so it happened. So uh, I really don't look into it. I look into how they're playing when they're in a conference play, when you get down the stretch towards the tournament. Yep. And um, I did a little, I mean, I won't call it research. I did a couple Google searches, but uh, fairly Dickinson, completely trash. They suck. And then, uh, but after that, after Saturday, December 7th, I mean, Kentucky's got to come ready to play pretty much from here on out. Um, Georgia Tech's not fantastic, but, you know, that's a high division one team. They're playing a good conference. So, you know, they, Bubba Parham's coming back to Rupp Arena. He torched it up last year. Um, I think he played for Southern Illinois. So um, that'll be interesting. I was there watching him. He was an amazing player. Um, and then, you know, you got the gauntlet in Las Vegas with Utah and Ohio State, who plays North Carolina here in about an hour. And then, obviously, the Louisville game. And then, boom, you're in the SEC play. So Cats really are going to need to, you know, have one final, I guess, tune-up this weekend and then really get after it. But, Bradley, do you think – do you have one player on Kentucky's team do you think is most important? Like, we get to March, boom, this guy needs to be playing well for Kentucky to make a deep run. Yeah, if I had to guess right now, or not guess, or say somebody, I would think it had to be Nick Richards. I mean, just because we've seen what he can do here in the last couple games. You know, now he's dunking everything. But what they're going to need in the tournament, they need a rim protector. You're going to face teams who have really good guards or even good post players. And you need somebody to alter shots. You need somebody to, that players going to think about when they get to the rim. So, for me, uh, I think they definitely need him. I mean, the guard plays there. We saw with the three guards they got, you know, one of those guys can probably get hot, whether it's Maxi, where it's quick, uh, quickly, or if it's, you know, um, uh, Hagens, you know. But for me, I think it's going to be Nick Richards. I think he's got to be the one playing well in March in order for them to make a run because he's such a, you know, he's seven foot. You know, we've seen when he scores, he's a 7-3 with his hair. Right, exactly. So I think, you know, <laughs> being a rim protector, score a few points, get some rebounds, just be a force in the middle. I think this team can go very far with a guy like him. Yeah, Nick Richards is definitely a game changer on both ends of the floor now. He's really putting his offensive game together. I, I can't argue that, but Ashton Hagens is a big one. And um, Coach Calipari actually made some pretty – Pretty substantial comments at the press conference um, after their last game. And I'm going to play those real quick. It's only about a minute long um, where he actually, you know, talked about he thinks that Ashton Hagens is the best point guard in the country. Or he at least said, if he's not, tell me who is. And um, if you can hear my screaming baby in the background, I apologize. My man is going insane. I don't know what's going on out there. But um, let's listen to John Calipari real quick. Good. Um, Twelve and two. I made some statements to him. Like, you know, we can say there are better point guards in the country, but you got to tell me who you're talking about. 
Because when you defend the way he defends, and you're as tough as he is, he went 12 assists, two turnovers. He's shooting 47% from the floor. And he missed all those threes early. So it's not, if you want to say the last two games, what is he from the three? So I think he was two for three, and now he's one for three. So he's three for six the last couple games. Three last game? Why did he shoot that many? That's his kid thinking about. But he's also like 90% from the foul line. So when you look at this, the way he goes, the way he disrupts the game, the hands that he gets caught, he just needs to be more disciplined in what he's doing. I mean, I need to know who's better than him. Like, I don't see it. I mean, I call this kid and that kid and that kid. But let me tell you, you win games with guys like him. You do. So pretty strong statement there by Cal as far as Ashton Higgins goes. He usually doesn't do much like that um, as far as really, you know, saying, hey, this this guy, I think he's the best in the country, especially when Kentucky's not really playing after their potential. So who knows? You know, sometimes Cal talks to the players through the media. Maybe that was a vote of confidence. He knew Ashton would hear that. I saw Ashton did quote tweet that um, a couple of days ago and kind of put in this is coming from the GOAT. So that, that was neat to see. I like that. And I think Ashton Higgins is important. You know, he's kind of the – the straw that stirs the drink. And he's, if nothing else, playing with a lot of confidence. So if you can get him and Nick playing to their potential by the end of this season, I think like every other year, you know, Kentucky's going to be as dangerous as anybody to win a national title. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the tournament time, when you when you see it. You When teams win, win the championship, they win because they have good guards, you know. You look at Virginia last year. They had good guards. That's the reason why they won. Even when Kentucky won in 2012, I mean, I know people would say, well, Marcus T, but he was a dog. Like, he, you know, he understood how to take care of the ball. And that's all you got to do. That's what the things for Ashton Hagen. He's got to take care of the ball. And then when there's times when he needs to score, get to the bucket and, and get those layups or, you know, or just draw the defense in to kick it out to the shooters, that's what he needs to do. So for him, I think what Coach Cal was saying is, you know, trying to build up his point guard, send a message to him, say, hey, look, I have faith in you. I think you are one of the best players in, in the country, best guards in the country. So go out there and play like it. So that's what Cal's good at. He's a good motivator. He knows how to get his players ready. So um, I think Ashton definitely, like you said, is going to be a key for them too. He's got to be able to take care of the basketball and, uh, you know, be able to distribute the ball to the right players. Yeah, I think the other night he had like maybe eight assists and one or zero turnovers at halftime. I know I was sitting with our – guy that's been on the podcast before too Travis Graff and we were really impressed with that stat line because that's a ton of assists and um I just kind of came to this self-discovery but uh mentioning Bubba Parham but man in a couple weeks that's going to be a nice little matchup you got to assume that Ashton Higgins is going to get the bulk of the reps guarding Bubba Parham who just absolutely ignited in Rupp Arena and you know he's going to be putting up a lot of shots and um I hope I get all this right but I don't know if you saw today or yesterday that announces Bradley but something really I thought was really cool so I'll try to get all this correct. But so Kelly Kraft, uh, wife of Joe Kraft, who was the ambassador to Canada, now she's the ambassador to the U United Nations, is actually bringing the United Nations to the game against Georgia Tech. They're coming to Rupp Arena. Like the biggest peacekeeping entity in the entire world wow. is coming to Rupp Arena to watch a basketball game. So I heard that. I was listening to a Nick Roush on kentucky roll call this morning and i saw a few articles but man that is pretty cool yeah that's that's pretty awesome man i mean to be able to get that you know and we've seen in the past where you know celebrities have came to rough arena i think i remember when uh jay-z came there you know uh obviously drake's been mm -hmm. there 
Uh, I think when I was in, in Atlanta um, a couple years ago, I think it might have been Alex Sports' freshman year uh, when they played Duke. I think Lil Wayne was at the game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that <laughs> that's on the same level, but that's the type of people that come to the game. That's good. That's that's a cool moment for, uh, you know, the state of Kentucky. That's a cool moment for all the fans to be able to see that. And good for Miss Craft to be able to be able to do that, you know. I mean, that's something that most people don't get to do. I mean, that's almost like the president of the United States coming to watch you play a game, you know what I mean? So uh, for that to happen, that's something special. And so uh, I'm excited. Cause I'll, I'll be there at the game. I'm excited to see where they're going to be sitting at and how they kind of maybe um, sit them up somewhere to kind of, you know, recognize them by being in the building. Yes, it will be interesting. Immediately when I heard that, I was kind of thinking you'd have to assume that security precautions are going to be on fleet that game. Like there's going to be some additional, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, people there mm-hmm. protection wise. So it's just cool. Is this something you, different, unique, and really just speaks to the power of Kentucky basketball and uh, Kelly Kraft doing doing her thing, you know, making sure to kind of bring a little of her personality and her background, to, you know, to the her, her role as the ambassador. But real last thing, man, and I'll get you out of here. I know you got to pick up the kids and stuff. But um, so obviously Louisville last night. So today is a uh, Wednesday, December 4th. Louisville just completely dismantled number four Michigan last night. Um, Their defense really did look good. I know a lot of people are just saying, oh, Michigan sucked. But, you know, something caused them to miss all of those shots. Mm-hmm. They've proven they're a pretty good team. I do think there's some validity in the fact that they were probably pretty worn out. People forget all those games they won were in the Bahamas, I believe. So, I mean, that's a lot of travel being away. So they might have been a little worn down, but you got to give credit to Louisville and, and Coach Mack because, man, they looked good. They they defended really well. So what's your take on the Cardinals, and um, what do you think is going to happen when they come to Rupp Arena here a few days after Christmas? Yeah, I mean, I like you said, I think, you know, Louisville is obviously very deep. You know, Chris Mack has 10 guys he can put in there. There's not really much of a drop-off. And so I think they took advantage of Michigan last night because, like you said, Michigan played in Bahamas and they had a long travel. I'm not making excuses for them, but that does put effect on your body when you play in the Bahamas and you come back and, you know, play in an environment like Louisville. It was, you know, they had a whiteout and they, you know, fans were loud and they were ready for them, you know. So, uh, but I think Louisville is a very good team, you know. Uh, This the best I've seen them in a long time. Um, you know, they got a lot of weapons. You know, I know that they go, the offense goes through Jordan Noir, but I think they got guys like uh, Samuel Williamson. He's really good. He's a McDonald's All-American who can really come in and put it up. And then, you know, David Johnson, the kid that's from Louisville, I think he's pretty good. I think when they figure out putting him at the point guard position, um, I think Louisville's a really good team. They got good bigs. I think they just got to figure out their guard situation. Um, when they come to Rupp, you know, Rupp's always a tough place to play. Well, you know, at times it used, it used to be a tough place to play. I feel like teams now are getting more comfortable coming in there and having their best shooting night. But I think that uh, when they match up, it's going to be very difficult for uh, Kentucky right now because they got a lot of bigs and they crash the boards hard. I mean, I'm saying right now, Dwayne Sutton is a workhorse, and that's a guy that can really kill you if you don't really put a body on him. And so for Kentucky, it's going to be they're going to really be on their A game. You have to really defend well, stay out foul trouble block out, and you got to make some shots. So um, I'm not saying that Kentucky can't beat Louisville, but uh, right now the struggles that Kentucky have, Louisville's good at. So I think they're going to have to do a, a good job of just being on the P's and Q's when they play them. 
Yeah, and you know that Calipari's main thing every year, but especially this year, he's been harping just on it. You know, is his team going to show up and be tough? Are they tough enough? Are they willing to fight for that loose ball, get on the floor, bang in the paint? And one thing you can always guarantee, pretty much always with Louisville, but I think especially under Chris Mack, is they're going to bring that toughness into Rupp Arena. They're going to be physical. So um, hopefully these next few games will prepare Kentucky for that and they'll be ready for the cards. I think that they will. Really pumped for that game. I'm in the, in the camp of I hope Louisville keeps winning. I'd love to see them come in as a number one team. Maybe Kentucky could work their way back into the top five. And, you know, that would really – uh I keep saying this too. I really do believe that maybe this year it's going to happen soon. There's going to be something that's really going to pop off the Cal-Chris Mack rivalry. Somebody's going to say something. It's going to be misconstrued the same way because Chris Mack's fiery, and I'm just waiting on that. Maybe similar to the L's down thing. Something's yeah. going to go down, and I really do believe, you know, it's only in year two that this rivalry is going to get real, real testy. Yep, yep. I believe you're right about that. Whether it's, you know, Matt comes in and beats, you know, Kentucky at Rupp, and that starts it off, and or like you said, somebody says something, uh, it's it's going to happen because uh, I think Satterfield got a little taste of that in his uh, first game, obviously at, Com- at Kroger Field the L's down, so uh, it's going to be something similar to that, but that's what rivals are about, that's what makes them fun, that's why fans uh, talk trash to each other, and that's why they root for their team, so yes, I can't wait to see what is going to be stirred up for the next couple of years with these two coaches. Yes, sir, I'm already excited, December 28th, Rupp Arena's going down, but we'll wrap up, man, I know I got stuff to do, you got stuff to do, we appreciate everybody listening, um, I thank you, you're my guy, Bradley, appreciate you coming on, I always enjoy talking to you, and um, I will, I guess I will catch you um, here soon, somewhere probably in Lexington. Yeah, man, thank you for having me on, man, it's always a joy to sit down and talk with you. Yes, sir, all right, talk to everyone next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon 99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.